Welcome, everybody. It's your girl, Rita Love. Welcome to another episode with uh, Unapologetic Woman of Color. I'm here with none other than Viana Pau of Tapu. Um, I am so excited that she's here. Tapu is an amazing organization. It's a small organization, new to the game. They're uh, a, a podcast, and they're all about breaking the culture of silence when it comes to domestic violence and sexual assault. Thank you, Viana, for agreeing to do this dual co- podcast. Absolutely. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited too. I'm excited. Let's just keep it real because last week we tried to do this at 11 o'clock at night at a McDonald's <laughs> in Taylorsville. And we thought we were so cool because we figured nobody will be here at 11 at night and during a weekday. And there was nobody there. And there was nobody there, there when we got there. Open space. And quiet. Yeah, quiet. We had, you know, we were able to do our podcast and we recorded like a whole hour. Well, right five minutes into our recording, a bunch of a poly showed kids showed up. A family showed up. <laughs> a family of little children at, at 11 o'clock at night on a weeknight and were noisy as hell. And... We couldn't hear a damn thing. So we went home, which we were listening to our podcast, and it, we just, it was terrible. So we decided we would just trash it and, and start it all over again. So here we are. Yeah. Here we are again trying to, but I think we have some new things to talk about this time around, huh? Yeah, we do. What do you uh, want to start off with? Well, first, let me just introduce you. Yeah, thank you. Podcast. Yes, please. Yeah, so this is Margarita Satini. She's with Yupasek. Yes. I mean, she's with so many different things. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's yeah, not a so, good thing. So Yupasek is Utah Pacific Islander Civic Engagement Civic Coalition. En- Civic Engagement Coalition. Yeah. And Rita specifically is the one who worked with us on the March for Marley. Yes. Um, she championed that thing for real. <laughs> Tapu let out on that. But you pushed so hard and you, you organized a lot. Yeah, Most of that, that, in order for us to be able to, you know, to do that, that was all you and Mike Tuya. So, oh, thank you. Cafe. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, you guys did an amazing job leading out on that. That's definitely something that falls under your umbrella. Yeah. So I thought it was perfect for you guys to lead out on that. And what a, what a successful um, event. You it know, was. It was such a successful event. It was. And we're still continuing with that. Yeah. Um, this weekend on Saturday, we've got um, Tracy Williams an artist from the Bay Area, from San Francisco, who will be uh, enlarging the, the painting that she did for the March for Marley and will be um, creating a mural of the painting she had done. So, I'm excited for yeah, that. I'm excited too. Oh, that's yeah. going to be awesome. We've got a little elementary school who will be coming out to help. Yeah. I reached out to Marley's family, um, Milika, her grandma. She, yeah. yeah. She lets know that they want to come. And so, yeah, we're excited. We're ready for the mural. So Aww. if you would like to, well, by the time I post this, it'll be finished. Yeah. So. Oh. Uh, if you would like to visit the mural, we'll post the information for it. For yeah, sure. please do. I definitely want to go take a picture in front of that mural. That's that's exciting. I really love and appreciate our um, Pacific Islander artists. Um, I have no talent at all when it comes to that kind of stuff. I can I can talk your ear off if yeah. that's a talent, <laughs> but I can't draw. I can kind of sing karaoke when I've had a few drinks, um, and that's about it. I have no. I mean, I can play the piano a little bit. I I really really appreciate our um, Pacific Islander practitioners and uh, practitioners of our arts um, uh, and just the fact that they continue to, to tell stories using the medium that they've been blessed with. Yeah. You know what I mean? Agreed. So I, I think it's amazing. It I, is I, amazing. Yeah. There have been so many artists, this, especially this past month of yeah. August here in Utah. It's the, what are they, what is the specific name for it? The, which one? Of, what do they call this month? The Utah Pacific? Oh, Island? it's the, it's Pacific Island. It's Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Okay. Yeah. So this, so the month of August here in Utah has been deemed Pacific Islander month. And so then you'll find like a bunch of organizations that, 
uh, pull together. And well, they don't pull, but they each, there's so many organizations that throw events, mm -hmm. you know? So we've had like, I think we're going on our third or fourth festival this, this month. Um, we have, you know, a we've had a lot of art showings mm -hmm. and, you know, bow first, first Pacific Fridays. Is yeah, that Pacifica what it's first oh, Pacifica first Fridays. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's another one as well, but you know, we have a lot of Pacific Islanders in it, especially in Salt Lake County. Um, that just, you know, throw a bunch of events and given our, you know, and provide space for, for us to get together and share our culture, you know, and, and learn about our culture and, and practice, get an opportunity to practice our culture. So, um, kudos to the members of our community for doing that. Yeah. Absolutely. I love it. Me too. I love it because yeah. to me, it, it just, what I see is just building community. Oh, heck yeah. People coming out, sharing their talents with others. Right. And then other children or whoever it is, members of the community who right. also, you know, um, learn from that or learn that yeah. you can just be who you want to be yep. and whatever talent you've been blessed with, you know, when you grow up, yeah. share it with us. You know what I think is really cool. What I would love to see more of in some of these uh, um, festivals that we do is like, uh, doing like cultural, um, uh, what is the word that I'm looking for? You know, teaching like some of the cultural, uh, protocols. Yeah. Right. Uh -huh. Um, I went to Colorado during this, I think it was July. I took off to Colorado and I went with a friend to her family reunion. And at the, and this is this family reunion, they actually let the kids run it. Mm -hmm. And, and part of the activity was they had a Q and a session for cultural, uh, practices. How fun. It was so cool because they were asking, I didn't realize how hungry they were to know a lot of these things. Heck, it made me realize how hungry I am to know about, you know, a lot of our cultural practices as well. They were asking questions like, how do you wear the Tavala? And I didn't realize that there was a, a certain, what does it mean? Yeah. What does it mean? What? And you know, um, who's the, who's your Fahu? Who's the Fahuloa? Mm -hmm. Like when you go and take mats to a funeral and people are thaling, you know, like, what do you say? And mm -hmm. you know, it, it, they were learning a bunch of stuff and I thought, man, this would be so cool if every family reunion and I'm not here to tell you how to run your reunion, but I'm just saying like, you should know that your kids are craving this type of knowledge. Yeah. And I would love to see this type of stuff also handled in, in our, in some of our Pacific Islander events, mm -hmm. you know, to start practicing cultural protocol. Yeah, I agree. Um, especially here in the United States, I feel like sometimes mm -hmm. when our, our ancestors or whoever it was that brought us here mm -hmm. to the States, Yep. They feel like, or we may feel like, we need to let go of yep. one culture and adopt the other. Where, as to me here in America, I feel like you can, culture is what you create. Well, it's yep. whatever you want it to be. Yep. And yep. so you, it doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be both. And I, personally, both. I feel like yep. it should be. I agree with you. I totally agree. I think, you know, it's who you are. Um, you, we wear different, many hats, yeah. right? And I think when you're home within your family and your community, you practice your culture. Uh -huh. And then depending on your, your audience, you, you switch it up. Like if you're in corporate America, you act corporate. If you come, you know, if you go home, you act family. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that, I think it switches up. That whole conversation we had before on code switching. Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> so true. Yeah. So true. You have to learn how to balance that out. And I think culture is such a huge part of our culture. Any culture is such a huge part of our identity. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And, I really love knowing who I am, where I come from, you know, who my, who my ancestors were and what they did to, for me to be here at this moment, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm proud. And if you talk to a lot of people who know the history of their family, they're also damn proud of their family too. You yeah. know, everybody's related to the king. <laughs> everybody's whole achy. Everyone's hella whole achy. Everybody, yep. <laughs> 
I have like <laughs> white people who will ask, you know, they'll mention, oh, I know this Tongan person. And they said they're a princess. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. We didn't know we had a princess out in Taylorsville or West Valley. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, right. But but that but that's just how important it is for us because we love knowing that, you know our history adds value, you know, it adds um, value to your identity, who you are. And uh, I really would love to see if you're listening to me or if you're listening to us and you run events during the summertime, think about including, you know, cultural protocol practices, you know, so that the youth can learn. They would love that. They're, they want to learn. They that. want to they, learn. They crave it. Girl, I have a 10 year old grandson. He has the most Tongan name out there. Okay. And that little, and he's my darkest grandchild. Mm -hmm. And he, and he, he's his, you know, when you hear him talk, he sounds like a little white boy, you Uh know, but he, I have never seen a little kid stream YouTube for anything and all things Tongan. Uh Like he taught himself three Tongan songs. He taught taught himself a Samoan song, a Maori song, Mm -hmm. you know, because he craves his culture and his identity so bad. They want to. I mean, they see it. They, they and and I feel like it's almost that they are recognizing yeah. their own heritage too through their yeah. grandparents. Yep. Because that's my niece, my second, um, the second oldest niece in our family. Yeah. She's so matematonga. <laughs> I love it. When, it. when the matematonga campaign happened last year, she was like everywhere. Matematonga. Yep. Tiging. She was, and it's like. She's never been there. She doesn't know what it means, but she sees that it means a lot to my family, my yeah. parents, and and she identifies as that that it's a part of her life. Yep. Her, you know, so yep. she just she's, she's down, hard. dude. She's down with that, dude. <laughs> How about I came home? I have a lava lava that's uh, you know at the bedroom that's a Tongan flag, and I came home and I have like two gears and some you know Polynesian necklaces and stuff. I come home and it might I have a split entry house, and as soon as I walk through the door and I look up to go, walk up the stairs. He, my grandson had taken my tupenu, my Tongan tupenu, and put it on the, pinned it on the wall, and then hung up my kids and all my Tongan necklaces. I said, "What is going on?" <laughs> he reminded me of those, like the old school Tongan ladies that put the lay over the frames. <laughs> you know, you in a poly home when there's a, when there's a lay around the frames in your house like everybody got to wear a, a, a lay even the frames <laughs> so I, I, I walked up I said I looked at everyone I was like what's going on <laughs> but that's how proud our kids are right they like, are. our kids are craving that so that's just my suggestion if you're listening to this podcast I am I implore you please add that to your event because I'll tell you you can't go wrong yeah you just can't go which leads us this is a perfect segue yeah. into the white sheet practice. Did you want to talk about that now? Or do you want to get to that later? I think we can talk about it now. I mean, yeah. Here it so is. talk, you lead us into this if you want to. Um, well, I think we're all, no, I'm not going to make the assumption that we're all familiar with it. Yeah. So the white sheet uh, practice is where it's, and I, and Rita had mentioned that it's, there's another culture that. There are several cultures that practice this. But it's basically where, um, on the night of your wedding, yep. there's a white sheet, and when you consummate your your marriage, your marriage on that sheet, you then present that sheet to the, the husband's mm-hmm, family mm-hmm. as proof of your virginity or your yeah. cleanliness or your virtue. Yeah. basically, it's a purity test. Yeah, 
It's a purity test, y'all. And so if you present to the family this sheet and it has some blood on it, then they get to they get to gift your mother and your family with all kinds of gifts for teaching you and protecting you from losing your virginity. Mm-hmm. So this has been such a huge conversation because I cannot, for me, I cannot believe that in 2018 that there are still families that practice this shit. Like, I don't understand that. To me, it's like, like what you talked about. Um, for it's a, it's an archaic practice. Um, and why is it always the women? I am so sick and tired of the women being called to question on their virginity, their mm-hmm. virtue. And what about the men? Right. I want my man to not, to be untouched. I don't want, you know what I mean? Exactly. And is that not fair to ask for, you know, how do we do that? Do we cut him too and make him bleed? Like, I don't know. how. That... <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> it is so unfair that we still continue to practice this. And you know, what's so crazy is for the longest time, I thought we were the only ones that practice this. We are not the only ones that practice the, the purity test. There are other cultures around the world globally that practice the, the purity test. Right. Some use the sheet, some use like the two finger method where they bring in the, the oldest lady who is like supposed a healer mm-hmm. or whoever they come in and they stick two fingers up in you to see if you're still a virgin, which kind of defeats which, the purpose which negates the whole thing, so. <laughs> because now your hymen is gone <laughs> and there's no bleeding the night of. Right. So, you know, and that's the thing that really, tra- that is crazy because there are more than one ways. There's more than just one way of losing, of, of getting rid of the hymen. Yeah. Right? You could be an aggressive athlete, athlete, or you could get into a serious accident, or you could, or, or you just you just be sexually just be, assaulted. You yeah. Could be riding a horse. Riding a horse or a bike. I heard that that oh yeah. Too, Even bike riding, yeah. horse, like any of that, and you could just there goes your hymen, and yeah. there goes the blood for your you know sacrificial wedding night. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So for me, that's just. Why the fuck? Are you serious? Why are we still practicing this? There's an article that you sent me. Right. It, it, and it was sent to be to me by one of my friends who, right. um, he's a PhD student in New Zealand. His name's Daniel Hernandez. I mean, and he, so he's in New Zealand and this article was written in New Zealand on an art exhibit that was done there by a Tongan yeah. girl who, right. y- you know, she is also expressing her understanding of this cultural practice, yep. you know, through art. Yeah. And um, again, another way art is just a great way to to tell a story, you know, about mm-hmm. your like it's like cultural telling, yeah. cultural cultural storytelling, uh-huh. right? Yes. Um, and so I was. It's called Tongan White Sheet Ceremony Practices in New Zealand Appalling, right? And and I saw the girl's art. She looks like she's in a white room, and it's like she's covered in red paint. Yes. And you know, it's like the deflowering ritual dating back to Middle Ages. And so I agree with this woman. I really think that it's, you know, what a, this, this type of pressure that is put on us by um, our own culture is for me very, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. And then you've got another older woman who is an independent curator. And she says, um, I, she goes, there's something beautiful about this ritual. It's all about, Maturity and understanding of the culture. What does maturity have to do with that? I don't understand. I don't either. And I think if anything, if she's thinking maturity or if it's something cultural, then maybe they're viewing it as a rite of passage for women as, you know, moving from girl to woman. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that that's only within the context of marriage. Can you only be a woman if you're married? You know, and so what about, you know, those of us who are single who yep. may have never gotten married you know, what is my rite of passage if I'm never going to, you know, 
because um, culturally, the idea is if you don't get married, then you should not be, you know, yeah. having sexual intercourse. Bullshit. <laughs> Look, I I am somebody who's a completely against this, and I'm sure people, women who have had this, who have had a successful, you know, purity test, and had to have, you know, had mm-hmm. the boys' family bring, they're going to be probably like, oh, you're just jealous because you know you weren't a virgin or mm-hmm. something. But um, no, that's not that's not the reason why. Uh, you know, I just think that it's ridiculous that this whole thing is just one sided. That you're calling, you know, that you're calling to task just women and not men that this continue. And, and if this woman doesn't pass this purity test, they, they get ridiculed. Yeah. They, they get ridiculed. They get shunned. They get talked about for the rest of their life. The family gets talked about, like it is no small thing, mm-hmm. you know? And so for me, that's a bunch of bullshit. I don't agree with that one bit, yeah. you know, and anything that you can do to me, you should be able to do to a man. You know what I mean? So, um, Hey, it should be fair, but Right. Honestly, I would rather just not this practice ex- exist at all. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And to me, if it's not even about um, virtue, the practice obviously is, but to me, how I'm looking at it is this whole idea of shaming a person yeah. for yes. a, for something that they have done or didn't do. Right, right. You know, and that's just as detrimental to me, like that whole practice as yeah. just it not being equal for, you know, toward men and women. Right. Uh, but one of my, so the, Daniel, my friend who sent this article to me, he, you know, he just made mention to me that it's also that this is something if you are going to practice this, that you should also um, navigate it properly and understand what's going on. Because if you are going to practice that, especially in this day and age, you have to understand that there might be and there will be repercussions. There's going to be huge repercussions. Yeah. Because if you're willing to deal with that, you're you're about to take a risk. Yeah. You know, because if you see some of the movies that are period pieces and you see like, uh, you know, people who are uh, aristocrats getting Mm -hmm. married and the family is waiting, they actually are looking for blood on the sheet when that, when that relationship is consummated. Mm -hmm. And so um, it makes me wonder, is this a colonized, is this from pre-colonization or post-colonization? Did we practice this? pre-colonization i don't know i don't know what the answer is and i wish somebody could tell me i'm sure daniel would have more information on that because yeah. i haven't really put a whole lot of study into when did we start this damn practice right you know but this is definitely something that was practiced in europe mm-hmm. and again and amongst the rich people and mostly the royal family because they were marrying their prince and princes to each other countries to form allies right. you know and each country wanted to ensure that the woman that they're marrying is still a virgin mm-hmm. Which is virtuous. Yes, which is yeah. virtuous. Um, and so if anyone has any idea on that, I would love to hear that because I really don't know. Um, but I think it's just really funny that they I, – I don't like it. I, I, it's Right. Because the thing is that you have to consider that if – so what? If you're – the person that you're marrying, if she does not pass the test – what does that mean for you? Are you going to stay in that marriage? Yeah, are you are you, are you leading? Are you leading her? Yeah. Yeah. Is it over? You, yeah. After you guys have been dating for a whole year, maybe two years, maybe three years, you want to just walk away now? Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, who the hell goes through years without having sex? Come on. Now. <laughs> hey, you some people be, do. We're in Utah. Shit. It happens. Utah is the hey, most scandalous place ever. Man. I've even heard of marriages where it hasn't even happened after the marriage. That's sad. so. We won't talk about that. Right. That's some sad stuff because I'm a very, um, you know, I'm a very over, I'm a very overly sexual person. And so I really enjoy the practice. I just think it's sad that people shame, use that as a means to slut shame people. 
you know, because I got, you know, we talked about this. I got pregnant when I was 18 years old. Yeah. And, and they, people were slut shaming me, but I had only been with my boyfriend, the father of my child, you know what I mean? So, you know, everyone was like, oh, she's such a slut. I'm like, I've only been with one person. I've only been sleeping with this one person, you know? (laughs) And, um, so when I hear of other girls who are getting pregnant, it's no longer a big deal to me anymore. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't shock me anymore. And I don't ever think of them as sluts or, or ever think to slut shame them at all. Mm -hmm. It's just something that doesn't cross my mind because for me, sex is just part of the natural, it's just such a natural thing, you know? And so for people to shame something that naturally your body wants to do and gravitate to when they're in a relationship, that means there's something wrong with you, that your understanding of sex is mis is very confused Mm -hmm. that you are, you have issues and you need to, you know, work on that, right. you know, but it, and it, even on top of that, you just have to allow other people to live and, and practice yeah. and be as they want to be. And it, exactly. if, if they want to be sexual, then you have to allow them to, because exactly. that doesn't affect you. Yep. Unless, Let people live, yeah. dude. Let them live. Mm-hmm. And if you want to practice, you know, being a virgin and saying, and, and that's, that's great. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you want to do that's fantastic. At the same time, don't, take your self-righteous crap and try to slut shame other people if they don't agree with your values. Right. You know what I mean? And I love, you know, I love hearing people who say, Oh, I made, I'm like, good for you. That's awesome. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but for, for me, this whole purity thing is um, again, you're right. What happens? What are the consequences? If say, for instance, she didn't sleep with anyone, but somehow she was say for instance, she was like an extreme athlete or something and she loses you know, her hymen gets touched or something happened. Yeah. Then what? You don't believe her? You 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 double down on your on this practice mm-hmm. and you shun her and you walk away or yeah. you know, you ridicule the family. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean and it's t- it's tough to talk about just because I because I am a person who really um enjoys and loves cultural practices. Yeah, Even the ones same. that made like this one yep. that can be very misconstrued and can be detrimental and harmful to families and people. Um, And so, because, because my mom, I know for sure, like that she was part of the generation that did practice that. And that was something that was beautiful and important. And it was important between her and, you know, my dad at that time, because that fit the time in which it happened. Oh yeah. But it doesn't fit anymore. It really doesn't. That practice just doesn't fit in this time, you know, because, and we should be adjust. I don't even think we should be, I just think we should have just never practiced this from the get go. You know what I mean? The fact that we've been treating women like second class citizens or just as an object, you know, that your job is just a vessel to bring kids into this earth period, Mm -hmm. you know, that you have no mind, you don't, you can't speak. That stuff drives me nuts. And this is just another uh, testimony to that type of mind- mindset. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is because it's that whole, the whole ceremony invalidates a woman's, you know, words, her thoughts or whatever she yeah. has to say about her own virtue. Exactly. Why do you need a sheet to test it? Why can't you just ask? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And just know, and why, why am I not enough? Right. Am I not enough until and even if I don't pass, you know, yeah. why? am you, I not still enough? Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, am I, do I no longer have value, mm-hmm. you know, which and is my value tied to this stupid sheet? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, I don't want to be with no dude who ties, you know, I wouldn't want to be with a guy who ties my values to that sheet. Right. I just wouldn't, yeah. you know, if you, if, if a guy and their family is, de- you know, de- you know, that your value to them is dependent on whether or not you bleed on that sheet, that's a bunch of bullshit mm-hmm. because you should, your value is made up of so much more, you know? Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of stuff, people that comment on, um, 
on this article, which is really amazing because it's what somebody said, one of the greatest indicators of poverty is single motherhood. Barbaric as it may seem, this tradition could mitigate poverty. God, that's, that's true. Mm -hmm. Because if, again, if somebody doesn't, oh, what? I can't even think about this. I, well, I can't. I can't think. Of, it's there's so much to say about it that, um, ugh, I don't like what it does to women. I don't like running, playing, gambling with a woman's um, reputation. Mm -hmm. Because people don't realize how detrimental that is, especially Huge. within our culture, yes. where we live in community. You know, our families are everything. And the things that you do, people hold that not only against you, but they hold it against your family. Yep. So it's if there is rumors or if there is... If you do discredit a person's reputation within this community, yep. it's huge. It it's humongous. Yeah. And it carries on for a long it time. Does. And it's attached to your identity yeah. with other people, which is so sad. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Which I'm sure mine, I know mine has been attached to mine. I just don't even care. I've gotten to the point where I've like embraced it and mm -hmm. I don't care anymore. Like it, but it took a while for me to get to the, I don't give up, you know, about that. Yeah. I just don't. And it took a while for me to build that tolerance and that wall and that, you know, and just protect myself. Now I've got thick skin. I'm ready to battle with anybody. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, we got issues. Let's do this. You know what I mean? Because I'm ready now, you know, but, but I wasn't then I was just young and very vulnerable and I didn't have anybody to guide me, help me navigate those really harsh realities that I was going through. Nobody helped me navigate those waters. And so I went through a period of really, it was tough. Mm -hmm. It was tough being 18 back in those times and getting pregnant and then being slut shamed and still having people that were immigrating from the, from Tonga with that same old, uh, old country mentality, mentality yeah. you know, talking crap about me, talking crap about my mom, talking crap about my family, mm -hmm. you know? And so it was a hard, what this does is really put negative pressures on our young women, mm -hmm. you know? And it puts false ideas into our young men. It really does. It really does. And the fact that, you know, it's okay for men to go. And I'm not saying it's okay. I mean, like our the dominating, dominant culture here does, uh, religion here doesn't, doesn't uh, advocate young men going out and just doing whatever the hell they want. But it's more acceptable and more tolerable for men to go and have premarital sex than it is for women. You know. Right. And but then it also um it almost encourages men to look for just the virtuous. Right. For someone who's just a virgin. And then because even back when I was still in the YSA ward and when I was dating, yeah. I noticed that a a lot of guys that I would date, it, it seemed as if they were looking for this trophy wife and <laughs> that they had found it in, you know. Yeah. And it was just really difficult because you know, in my head, I'm like, you know, I bring a lot more to the table than right? just, you know, my virtue. There's virginity. so much more to me than that. Right. And if that's all you're looking for, then I don't want to be a part of this. Exactly. It's a little boring. You so know? that means that they don't value any of the other stuff. Right. Uh -huh. Any of your other skills, uh, mm -hmm. any other, any of your other uh, skills and characteristics and values, they don't value any of that. The they, only thing they, they value. They didn't even see it. Yeah, they didn't even see it. All they saw was, are you a virgin? Are you yeah. going to pass that purity mm -hmm. test? That's all they care about. Yeah, which is it, bullshit. Are you going to look good on my arm? You're going to make exactly. Me look good my family. You know, how am I going to appear with a woman like you? Right. You know, which and you're like, seems so unfair. It is unfair. Yeah. It is so unfair. I'm like, mm -mm. 
but like I'm saying though, you know, not to put all this pressure or blame on the men, the culture, you know, it's, it, has it, been yes. set up in such a way to where men will, they do tend to think this way because yep. women's virtue are, is always called into question. Yep. Always, mm-hmm. always. Hey man, I, you know, if you're going to call my virtue into question, we need to talk about your boy. Okay. Yeah. Because your boy has been around. Right. You know what I mean? And then it even moves into like the conversation around modesty. Yeah. Where, you know, if a woman is wearing clothing that's revealing, mm-hmm. then, you know, it's her fault Yeah, if a guy's looking at her right. or if he's, you know, going to have negative thoughts or whatever. Oh, yeah. It's like, no, men should be responsible yeah. for their own thoughts. It yeah. should not be rest yeah. on the shoulders of women Nobody to control to, yeah. or to kind of yeah. frame how men think about us. Yeah. They you should, be should know. For themselves. Yeah. Yes. You should know that what this is not right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, which also, you know, it's so funny because I had posted that. Um, uh, a while ago, like, why do Tongan women show up to the beach like fully clothed? Right. <laughs> Some people were like, because we're being modest. Like, is it modest for who are you being modest mm-hmm. to? Like, who are you being modest to? Like, you're at a pool or at a beach. You're the proper attire is a swim bathing suit. Yeah. Why are you being modest? Because you're you are afraid of running the risk of being ridiculed, of being slut shamed, yeah. of being shamed for lacking or, values. But even for some, it might even be fat shamed. Or, or fat shaming, yeah. or fat shaming, uh-huh. right? It's all about shaming. It's all attached to being shamed. Yeah, it's attached to being shamed. But for me, I feel like a lot of it's also attached to being like to protecting yourself. Yeah. And so, and so, I like I completely understand women who want to cover up and swim in leggings and a long sleeve shirt or whatever it may be. If that's what makes you feel comfortable, yeah. then go for it. I don't want, yeah, and I don't want to shame people for being for being full. If that's what you choose, what I don't want to see happen is that you're being shamed into feeling like you have to wear that. Yeah. You know what I mean? That that's the thing that bothers me. Were you shamed into? Are you ashamed? Mm-hmm. Are you ashamed that people are going to call you a slut? Are you ashamed? That's where I have a problem. Yeah. Right now, if you're if you're like this is what I feel comfortable in, I'm yeah. like oh oh well, then do you then go for it then do you but see that and then. And I think that happens a lot because yeah. people don't have a clear, clear definition on what shame is and what, on what guilt is. Yeah. Where as shame, if you're taking on shame, then you're yeah. saying that you yourself are bad. Yeah. You know, for these actions when it's like, you're not bad if you do something bad. Yeah. You've just done something bad. And that's where it's like, it's more healthy to feel guilt. Yeah. Whereas you can separate that feeling out and place it on an action and not embody that and not, you know. Right hold that against yourself right. and let it, you know, tear apart your psyche, your psyche or whatever it is. Right. So, um, I don't know what's going to happen with this practice. I hope that it eventually just disappears completely out of our culture, I but feel like it has, I mean, a little bit, it huh? like slowly going away. Yeah. Yeah. Which is funny because like, I think it was last year when they had that whole hoopla about that woman who had the, the purity test and the family, the boy's family was hella talking shit about her and the mom and the grandmother of the groom, was like throwing this big old fit about whatever. And so the husband had his wife's back and I was like, good on you. Mm-hmm. Good on you. But the fact that they did that was like shocking to me because I hadn't heard that since I was in high school Yeah, and I'm like a grandma, you know what I mean? So it was really <laughs> shocking to me. I was like, what? We st-? when I saw it, I was like, Oh wait, we still practice that. Who the hell's still practicing that? You know? So, and then just the conversations that went around all that, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm like, why the hell would you do that shit? That, that's just, but then, you know, I saw who was doing it. I was like, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> I get it now. I understand why y'all did that. You need to come out of the dark ages and join the rest of us. You know what I mean? So I hope 
I hope that this disappears completely. And you're right. I agree with you. I think it's slowly starting to disappear because that just doesn't, it just doesn't go with our, it's just outdated. It's so freaking outdated. Oh, it's just outdated outdated practice, man. Um, other than that, what else did we talk about? We were talking about something else. We've been talking about a few things here, just trying to prime ourselves <laughs> we for recording. Were. Um, one thing that I brought up was the whole situation with Urban Meyer. Yes, because um, football season is upon us. Yes. Which, let me just say that I'm so thankful that I don't have any kids in football anymore because I have three sons and I have to travel around all of the whole earth to take my boys to their freaking football. <laughs> But anyways, with Urban Meyer, if you're if you're not familiar with Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer is probably the top. He is the top coach in football. That I mean, I know the NFL wants him so bad uh-huh. because he's just an amazing. This guy wins. That's all he knows how to do is win. Mm-hmm. But one of his coaches was accused of uh, domestic violence, and his the, this coach's wife even came to Urban Meyer and his wife and told them that he was she was being abused by her husband, and they did nothing about it. And so they put him on admin. Oh, oh, they did nothing about the abuser. Right. Right. Yeah. Which um, was, you know, it, so Vienna and I talked about, well, you know, why, why is it that we, you know, so we both took the, we both took courses on becoming uh, victim advocates. One of the things that they teach us is the first thing we have to do is we have to believe the victim. Right? right. And so we had talked about, like, why do we have people who believe in, you know, innocent until proven guilty? Mm-hmm. And why do we um, why don't we believe the victims right off the bat? And I said, I totally get I, I totally understand the, the being cautious. Right. Because just recently there was a 21 year there was a 20 year old woman who had accused two athlete football athletes from a university of raping her. And then came back and said, I lied, you know, but after she admitted she had lied, these young men lost their, their scholarship, you know, have been treated like they've gotten the plague. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, but, but, but still, even after all that, I still believe what I was taught to be as, you know, as far as becoming a victim advocate, like we have to believe the victim at first. Mm -hmm. She, she didn't go to the police. She came to friends people who she thought were her friends and told them, I have a problem. I need help, you know, and they didn't believe her. And they, she, she, as in the woman, the victim, the victim yeah. in Urban Meyer's, right. In, in Urban Meyer's story. story. Yeah. yeah. And she, she approached friends, right. Who she thought were her friends, yes. Urban Meyer and his wife told her them about the incident of being, you know, uh, brutally attacked by her, you know, uh, assaulted by her husband and nothing was done. There was, what was the excuse? What, what did they say? They, uh, so nothing was done because Urban Meyer and his wife said that there wasn't sufficient evidence for them to feel like, you know, what she was saying was true or yeah. that her husband really was beating her. So with this whole story, the, the guy, Zach Smith, who was a, what's it called? I think he was an assistant coach. Um, really good friend, I guess, I'm assuming, of Urban Meyer because they started together at Florida State. Yeah. And then or when Urban Meyer moved to Ohio State, he took this guy with him, okay. um, Zach Smith. So that's, that's, in, that's pretty close. Right. That's close. So then and this is 2009. There was an incident in 2009 where this person, Zach Smith, was arrested for yeah. aggravated battery on his wife, who was pregnant at the time. Yeah. He threw her into a wall after an argument in their home. So there's clear proof of what had happened. Yeah. Um, and then this year, earlier this year, there was another incident, you know, between Zach and his wife and 
then it all came out and then this is all what's happening. And the thing is, is that both Urban Meyer and his wife had, had said that they didn't believe that what she was telling um, them about his, about her husband's ex-Smith was sufficient evidence for them to believe her. But it's like if you if they have been together from 2009 yeah. and they're taking this guy with him from one school to another, then clearly there's a relationship that's been formed. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And if there's a relationship, then there's trust, too. You have to know something. Right. And so if she's coming to you and saying, if a friend comes to you and says, you know, yeah. my husband's beating me, whether you believe her or not, I still feel like it is you should at least try to investigate further or help out yeah. because you never know. You just never know. You have no idea. Yep. Right. As, yeah. You know how, if it's real, if it's not. Yeah. And it, I just, I always feel like it's always best practice to just take somebody, what they say for face value. I agree with because you. Because there's more risk when you yeah. believe, when you think that when person's you don't. lying. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I totally agree with you. And so, and the, so then once that's been established, everyone's waiting to see what's, what's Urban Meyer's punishment going to be because he didn't do anything about it. And he was suspended from three games. Yeah. That that's it. He was put on administrative leave, and then he'll be suspended until September something, and so it's three games. Yep, that's it. And that's it. That's it. Yeah. And just earlier today, there was a, a board member yeah. on, I think, on the the Ohio State whatever, yeah. who resigned because they didn't agree with his punishment. Yeah, they were just which I don't either. Yeah, I don't agree with it. Yeah. Um, I feel like further action should be taken, and there was this huge. And I'm just finding finding out about this now, but there was a huge discussion on it, you know, because this had started, this whole thing started, I think, in August or maybe yeah. even earlier. Yep. But there was like a thing on Twitter where it's like, are wins more important to Ohio State? What's more important here? Yeah. Especially because Urban Meyer is a winning coach. Not only that, but it's football. Yeah. You're talking about a culture of we're here to win mm -hmm. and we will do anything to, to protect our young Kings, mm -hmm. our young football Kings. You know what I mean? Right. And if you do anything that will jeopardize our win, we will crucify you mm -hmm. and we will do everything in our power to make sure that they get the most, the most minimalist, minimal punishment, which is exactly what happened. Yeah. Look, I'm not saying that he wasn't the one that struck her, but he knew he knew. He knew. And, and he should have done something. And here in Utah, that's a law. Like yeah. If you know something's you going something. on, yeah, you need to report. Yeah. You need to say something. You speak up. Hey, look, I, I'm i not afraid to report stuff. I, I don't deal with the police at all. I just, but when it, if it comes down to that, I won't hesitate. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, but I remember one time me and my sister were driving down I-15. There was a little pickup truck driving in front of us. And we were just like driving. And all of a sudden we're like, Paying attention because all of a sudden I see arms flailing. Mm -hmm. The guy was driving with one hand and he had he was beating his wife who was sitting in the passenger seat with the other hand. And they were just like the car was rocking back and forth in front of us. And we were like, what the hell is going on? So we got his license plate and we called the police and we said, this is the exit that they got off. This is the license plate. This guy was literally man beating the hell out of whoever this woman was in the car, in the truck with him. So, and they were like very thankful that we told them, I don't know if we saved her life. I don't know what happened, mm -hmm. you know, but I hope to God that the police was able to track, trace down his license plate and save her. I, and, I hope that everybody that sees or finds himself in a situation where yeah. somebody is being hurt, yeah. that you speak up and say something. You have to, you should, you should. 
You, you should, should speak up. Mm-hmm. You should. I mean, that's What's one. It? How's it going to hurt you? It's not going to hurt you. Exactly. It's not going to hurt you. Yeah. But it will hurt you if something happens to that girl. Because mm-hmm. you will carry that guilt for a long time. Because yeah. you'll be like, frick, I could have done something about that. Mm-hmm. I could have said something. You know, I, I'm a friend who, uh, I'm sure we all have a friend who, you know, has been in a domestic violence situation. Oh. And... um one thing that with this friend that when we talk about, I mean, and it happened a while ago and yeah. things are fine now between yeah. her and her spouse who they're, they're no longer together. Yeah. But one thing that um, she had brought up was yeah. that a lot of her family did not know why she would want to leave him or why she divorced him. And, you know, she was like, because he beat me, yeah. you know, because he hurt me. Yeah. And then, you know, it's like, you know, forgive him. Why don't Hell him? no. But the thing that a lot of us don't realize is that trauma, sometimes trauma doesn't allow us to forget things. No, it doesn't. And so I, so when James and I got our divorce, we got our divorce back in 2002. Um, I started dating. James is your husband. James is my husband. Ex-husband. <laughs> my ex-husband, who's now my partner. <laughs> We're not back together again. <laughs> So James and I got a divorce back in 2002 and I started dating. It took me a while to get used to dating other people, you know, but you know, I dated this guy who was, you know, the first eight months he was amazing. You know, I did not see any signs of crazy in him at all. So I fell, it took about, it was about eight months and I fell in love with this guy because we just had such a good time. Right. So I remember we were watching TV in my place and the phone rings and it was James. He was calling because he wanted to talk about the kids or something. So I'm talking on the phone while this dude's watching, uh, sitting on the couch watching TV. When I hang up the phone, I come back and he's like, who was that? And I said, oh, that was James. He's like, what do you want? And I said, oh, he was calling for the kids. And, you know, I thought that was the end of that conversation. He flipped the script on me so fast. He went and grabbed one of my kids' scooters and wanted to come hit me with it. I had never seen anything like that from him. Like that shocked me. He didn't touch me, mm-hmm. but we were on and off from that moment. We were on and off for like six years, I think. And he was a very abusive person. We fought hard against each other. And, you know, I, the only way that I could get away from him was I had to turn my phone off. I had to change my address. I had to completely disconnect, like, cut off any means uh, or any avenues that he could, he knew of that he could get a hold of me mm-hmm. because he was so abusive. And the crazy thing is I buried that, that so deep in my, in my memory. Like I bar- I really buried the hell out of that thing mm-hmm. that when I go to like domestic violence uh, conferences, like I don't ever feel like I, um, I can relate to some of these victims it, which is so weird. Really? I don't know why. I, when I think, when I talk about my experiences, I see somebody else. I don't see myself. It's the craziest thing. I don't know why. So you disassociate from? I've totally disassociated myself from it, and I don't know why. Um, but you know, I can I can talk about the experience. But even now, as I'm as I'm talking about the experience, it just feels weird. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yes, I really am a firm believer in if your friend tells you, then you should do something about it. You know? Right and. But you should just also just validate how they feel. If yes. they don't want to be with the abuser or their partner, whoever yep. it may be, yep. then they don't want to be with them. The end. Yeah. And yeah. you also have to understand that you're not going to, you're never going to know what a person, what a person's life is like. Yeah. And so if you don't know what their life is like, then you also don't know what decisions they should be making about right. their lives. It yeah. may look completely wrong to you, yeah. Oh, but yeah. that's because you're looking yeah. at it from the outside. 
You yeah. no You're idea. looking through it from your own limited experience and right. lens, uh-huh. you know, and you, that's unfair to do. Especially if you're a person who, who's never experienced trauma or yeah. a person who's never been in a relationship yeah. like that or a situation like yeah. that. And so I just feel like it's always best to just believe a person. Wow. I mean, there shouldn't be anything. Most times, you know, people, especially if it's someone you trust, they yeah. will tap, they should be honest with you. Yep. And if they aren't, you'll know. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so it was funny because I was just telling you, and I'm like, you know, I'm so glad because I talk a lot of shit, dude. And like, I'm like, thank you for never trying to raise your hand against me. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's done some other things that pissed me the hell off, but <laughs> he's never hit me. He's never beat me. He's never, you know, like he's never had the, he's just never had. It's the, not in him. It's just not in him. So I've been really lucky in that sense, you know, and so I'm thankful for that. But um, you know, some of these young relationships that are coming up, I'm seeing a lot of that, seeing a lot of abuse between, you know, boyfriend and girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And it is different types of abuse. Oh yeah. Different Verbal types. abuse, yeah. you know, sexual abuse, oh, yeah. domestic, you know, mm-hmm. uh, physical abuse, emotional abuse. It's, um, and I think this is really, this really, and it goes both ways too. Oh, girl, women are we're, we're too. so bad too. Oh, we're man. so bad. Um, we just definitely like, recognizing a healthy relationship is so foreign to a lot of people. It's foreign to me, you know, and I had a hard time, you know, painting that picture of what a healthy relationship looks like to my kids. So now a lot of them have unhealthy relationships with their partners, you know? And so when I see that, I, I put a lot of blame on myself because I didn't provide that, you know, like this is what a healthy relationship looks like. Cause I didn't know myself, you know? And so, um, it's important for families to show their kids what a healthy relationship looks like, cause it's only going to help them in their future with their future partners or spouses. You know what I mean? Because, uh, you know, it's when I see people who are in healthy relationships, it's so foreign to me. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, that's so weird. You know what I mean? <laughs> like if me and James try to do anything nice for each other, or we want to go out and do nice things, my daughter will come in and says, that's so weird. You guys hate each other. <laughs> and our, our wedding anniversary is September 1st, which is Saturday. Wow. So I'm like, what do you yeah. want to do? And he's like, say, even though we're divorced. Fine. Yeah. Even though we're divorced, but what are we going to do? You know? So we always wish you, we always wish each other a happy anniversary on, on September 1st, you know, but um, a healthy relationship is so, it's so vital. It is vital. And I think um, that, it is defined differently for, for everybody. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There is no one step way oh, to yeah, have no. a healthy relationship. No. And I feel like when we create a standard, yeah. like it, it, it's yeah. not a good thing. Yeah. So now, like, with our relationship, you know, we've, we've, we've been through. Yeah, we've been through hell and back. But the kids know when we, like, cuss at each other, like, they know we're just joking. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's healthy for us. Yeah. You know what I mean? But. Like, you're not going to find other couples that do that to each other. You know, a lot of them are going to be all lovey-dovey. We're not like that, you know. But, you know, it's – it's it's uh, find what works for you that's healthy because the kids will know. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll pick up on that. Yeah. They'll pick up whether or not it's, like, a negative thing or a positive thing, you know. So, I don't know. That's just me. Either take it or leave it. Yeah. Yeah, at least up to you. <laughs> um, what else are we talking about? RIP to our to the to the Queen of Soul. We yes. We talked really about that. We did. We talked about that when we tried on our first. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about that. 
RIP to the Senator John McCain, RIP to Aretha Franklin. And Aretha, you talked about her being like your all-time favorite she artist. Is, She's one of my favorite down, artists. She is my favorite. <laughs> I just think she is the most... Um, she just sings so effortlessly. Uh -huh. She doesn't have to try. It mm -mm. just happens. It happens yep. naturally. Yep. Her songwriting too. Yep. I love the woman. She plays the piano. She does. She plays the, the piano and she'd been making music for Ever. decades. Uh -huh. and, and so, and to me, that was like, that's my threshold of where I'm like, that is a, a superstar. That's a real mm -hmm. like, uh, songstress or whatever you yep. call them. Yep. Because she's been able to produce music, good music, yep. over a long period of time. I, I I appreciate her not only for her music, but for her activism mm -hmm. and her her role in in uh, black the black movement, uh, civil rights movement mm -hmm. for her black community. You know, um, her I, role in empowering women. To oh, me, that's the big huge. thing in her music. Yeah, that I'm like that's why I just I love like her. bow down. I love her. Yes. <laughs> Yes, she's, I love. I she's love hardcore. Some, I love me some Beyonce. Yeah, but Beyonce's a performer. Yeah, you know, I, Aretha Franklin was part of a movement. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, she really was. Mm -hmm. She was opening. She was. She was uh, paving the way for uh, all these other artists to come up. You yeah. know what I mean? And and I mean, like I, Beyonce does that in her own way. Yeah, of because course. that the the Coachella. Yes. This past year. Yes. Oh man, she. Blew, I I don't. You agree with me? Disagree with me? But she blew that out of the oh, water. Oh, no, she did. Oh, like, she did. To me, I'm like, she is taking African-American culture and she is shoving it in the In your face. <laughs> <laughs> and I love yeah. it. I love I that she is, it. that now Beyonce is now on the cover of Vogue and she is, she hired a black um, uh, photographer to come and do her photography, mm -hmm. which, you know, it was so funny because everyone was all like, oh, that is so cool. But then that also totally exposed Vogue of like, not having, not being diverse. Yeah. You mean this whole time y'all mm -hmm. never used a black, Af like an African American or a person of color photographer? Mm -hmm. We have like so many talented photographers who are not white, you know? Anyways, back to Aretha Franklin. I, um, I really, God, she's going to be so missed. Her music, that's the kind of music that's going to last forever, yes. you know? Um, and it was funny because I was watching this comedian and I, I don't know how true it is, but she said, he said that she like was laying in her casket and she had, she wanted her feet crossed. Really? Like she was like. <laughs> yeah, she walked. She's marching. Exactly. So when we saw he and he goes, you have to listen to off the tag you on it, but he's like, you know, damn straight that she is. She's not just going to heaven. She's going to heaven. <laughs> heaven spelled H E H apostrophe U M B. <laughs> and I was like, that is so funny, but. Her, you know, being buried with her legs crossed like that—that's a—that's that is a Aretha movement. That's a queen move. That is a queen ass move, okay? And she ain't going to heaven. She going to heaven, <laughs> you know. And I, when I was watching that, I was laughing so hard because that is so her. Like all the stories that some of the stars have shared, you know, upon meeting her, especially the women who are, are songstress as well. Yeah. When they would say, "Yeah, we," you know, especially Fantasia. Fantasia was funny because she was like. She, she was saying tw uh, two songs at one of her tributes. Uh -huh. And then afterwards, when, you know, all the all the, the stars were in the room waiting for her to, you know, she's the star among stars, you know. They're all waiting for her to make her entrance. And when she walks in, she, like, works herself around the room, basically blessing everyone with her presence mm -hmm. and saying hello. Then she stops over at Fantasia and she's like, you know, you know, tells Fantasia, did good. She goes, but I'm the head bitch up in this place. <laughs> And Fantasia was like, 
Who am I to argue? Uh-huh. We talking about Aretha Franklin. But they're supposed to have a movie that to come out about her. And at first one, and Aretha was actually a part of this whole thing when she was still alive. And she wanted Halle Berry to play the her role. But Halle, thank you, Jesus, that she understood, you know, she was like she was very Yeah, she else. was very concerned about her singing because she can't sing. And so then they said it should be um, Jennifer Hudson. Yes. So Jennifer Hudson definitely has the singing chops to carry this part through. Right. She has it. She does because I feel like it, it's important. It's more important to have somebody who can embody Aretha's yep. music yep. as opposed to her image and what she looks like. Exactly. Because it was her music that changed people's lives. Yes, it, it was, was her music. music. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't your looks, Aretha. It was yeah, your no, music. Sorry. I, know you, I, I know you wanted it to be. I your wish looks. you Halle Berry to play <laughs> me too. Me too. <laughs> Makai, I'm so I know. Tall. Okay. She's like five two, five four. I would have loved Halle to play me too in my, you know, you know. But it, yes, sorry, but reality says. Hey, that. Jennifer Hudson's beautiful herself. Oh, she so, is. You know, in her own right. you she still is. got a somebody who's beautiful as hell who has the talent to carry this out. Mm-hmm. You can't just. You cannot just get anybody to come and play Aretha's part. You just can't. I agree. I could not. I could not sit through a movie and watch Halle do a, have somebody voice over Halle. That just wouldn't be right. I agree. You know what it I mean? Because be right. you know, damn straight, she's not singing for real. Exactly. She's lip singing. I can't do that. If I'm watching a movie about uh, a songstress, especially yeah. her, I want to feel that music. Sing it. Yes, I want somebody to sing, sing it. it and then feel that music too, because. Aretha Franklin has been influential in a lot of black women's yes. lives. Oh, yes. And, and that's huge for that culture. For Thank them. you. So they need somebody who can represent the music properly. I'm just saying, girl, if you're going to sing, and you Jennifer know. And Jennifer Hudson's going to do it. She going to rock it. I mean, she, I mean just she even rock her it. first role in Dream Girls. Yes, girl. She blew me away. What I am telling you, <laughs> you going to love me. I don't I even, I can't sing. I can't sing. To her in Aretha, you know. And that movie is going to be good. I know because it was funny because when they were talking about that, I was like, that was the first person before I even before I even read past the article, I was like, Jennifer. I made that assumption too. I'm like, it's gonna be Jennifer. And then it I got, and it was Jennifer. Berry, I'm like, what? I was like, exactly. I go, who the hell? And then I found out it was Aretha that wanted how I was like, come on, girl. <laughs> you better quit with that, Queen. Stop it. Stop it. So I'm very excited. You know, it's uh, you know, R.I.P. to it's Aretha Franklin, R.I.P. to Senator John McCain, who was you know uh, uh one, I don't, there's a lot of things John McCain has done in his life, in his life, in his service that I did not agree with. But what made me really love this man is the fact that when he ran against President Obama for president and he had a rally and at his rally, a white woman stood up and was saying, you know, that Obama is a Arab, basically saying he was a terrorist. Yes. And at his own rally, he defended Obama. And said, he's a great guy. You don't need to be scared of him if he becomes president. I just think that I'd be a better president. You know, we have disagreements on fundamental issues, but he's a good guy. Right. And for him to do that, when the way you act when you're away from that, you know, that just speaks volumes of your character. Yeah, he was defending him in his own rally, in his own on his own playing field. You know, it, at a moment when you know you could totally use that as something to propel you forward exactly. above the other candidate. Exactly, but that just proves that that he has he got class. Uh-huh. He has class. He has class. He has uh-huh. morals. He really believes that the way politics should be conducted is with respect. Uh-huh. You know, and he was like, "I'm and not here to lie." Yes, I miss that so yeah. bad. I'm I gonna tell you too. right now when I ran for. 
when I ran for the Utah Democratic Party vice chair, I used to put a lot of money on my, I, I, man, I love my party. Mm -hmm. I hella doubled down on my party and they screwed me over hard. They were sending out emails about stuff that I did in the past. They were, they were belittling the work that I did on people's campaigns. And I was, I was shocked, girl. I was shocked. I was very disappointed. Um, and so I, um, it, it doesn't matter what party you're in, you're going to find this kind of ugliness, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? But I, I think it's important no matter what, you should always practice politics with civility, with respect. Keep just stays you know, focused on the, on the facts, on the issues, mm -hmm. and, you know, and let's just, let's just play fair. Right. But it doesn't exist. It, it doesn't. It doesn't exist. And I feel like that, that tool, I mean, it goes back to like where our conversation started with shaming. Yeah. That they're trying to shame. Oh yeah. They've totally tried to shame trying me. To shame. But it's like things, parts of your identity or parts of who you are yeah. that does not deserve to be shamed. Yep. And why is yep. that appearing in a public arena? I don't know. A political debate. Oh, yeah. Where you're trying to push for positive changes for everyone. Oh, yeah. For the good of, and the betterment of everyone. Oh, yeah. And, and the sad thing is that, you know, they know that my work ethics and my, you know, my experience is legit, mm -hmm. you know, and the fact that they would, you know, this is a. This is a party that's supposed to tout, you know, uh, inclusion and criminal justice reform. And here they are talking about, like, stuff that I did in the past that mm -hmm. got warranted me, like, a uh, fine or, you know, anything like that. Yeah. Anything with them, some legal services. And it, it was just really, it was really shameful. It was very shameful. And yes, so, I'm um, sure it was. Oh, it was. It was, it was horrible. It took me. I had to build up that wall again. Mm -hmm. I had to be a, I had to be a tough bitch again. You right. know, and I hated it. Mm -hmm. um, but I learned my, I learned Again, mm -hmm. you just can't trust a whole lot of people. You right. know what I mean? So But that's part of like what I feel like we want to do with Baku is yeah. I mean, have hard conversations on on in attempts to change the culture. Yeah. Like shaming. I don't feel like shaming should be a part of our culture anymore. It should not. Judgment and shaming, I it does not have a place in yeah. politics for sure. I agree. For, for me. I agree. And, I agree. And I'm and to me I'm like <laughs> I'm gonna we are talking all the time. We're having conversations online. We're having them in social media. It's just happening all the time. Yep. And I feel like shame is the first thing that we need to move, remove yep. from our conversation. And I see that happening where people aren't doing it anymore. Yeah. The only, yeah, back from they it. are like, people are like, you're like, you don't see people really making fun of people's looks. You know, yes. cause it's just cause then now everyone's going to eat you up. Yes. Like, Oh, what's wrong with, Oh, you got, like, okay, Oh, you so think you you're better. Yeah, Let's exactly. Play that game. Here exactly. we go. I think in order for our our community to truly progress and move forward is that's one of the first steps that we need to do is get rid of shaming and yes. judging. Then once we start to be that, then we can consider ourselves a very inclusive community mm -hmm. and then we can start to move forward. Yes. That's when we can embrace everyone and collectively progress forward. Agreed. Well, with that, we only have, we're, we're done. I have nothing else. To, I mean, I'm, I'm all talked out. Yes, me too. <laughs> all talked out. Thank you so much for doing this with me. You're yeah, welcome. I really thank appreciate you, it. Sorry to talk your ear up. <laughs> well, I, I remind it, but I just thank you for everything you've done for me. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you for everything that you guys do. Keep doing you. Well, thank you, you guys. And until next week, this is another episode of uh, Unapologetic Woman of Color. And a podcast. Thank you.